Tonight, on the show, we're going back to the muddy fields and dusty streets of North Seton Colliery Village. We've got some fun-filled stories from my dad for you. Okay, James, start the show. Welcome to the podcast, people. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the most wonderful show that I've got lined up for you tonight. You are going to grin and laugh and just really enjoy this show, I know you are. Firstly, though, I want to acknowledge a milestone that we have hit. Um, This is the last episode of Series 2, which, given it feels like five minutes since I pressed record um, on a very dreary wintry day in January um, to start this whole project off. It's quite amazing to think that we are where we are now with nearly a thousand listeners and um, you know some lovely comments from people about how much they're enjoying uh, reminiscing as a result of the show. It's just lovely. Um, Now, like I said, we're at the end of Series 2, but don't panic. There is loads planned for, I think I've got at least the next um, three series, so that's 30 episodes, plus a few specials planned out on a big sheet of paper in my room. So don't panic, the show's not going anywhere. So to honour the milestone of the end of a second series, I thought what we could do is actually just go back to the very beginning. Now, for all of you die-hard fans who have stuck with us since Episode 1, And thank you, because I think it's a heck of a lot better in Series 2 than we maybe were in Series 1. Or just maybe I'm getting a bit better at which buttons to press on this machine, and uh, it's a little bit more polished now anyway. The stories are still fantastic. We started Series 1 with, um, I think we called it Tales from a Childhood Before Health and Safety. It's just a lovely interview with me and my dad, and he's talking about the silly and crazy and downright dangerous things that him and his mates like Robert and him got up to in North Seton. So to end Series 2, I thought it might be pretty good to go back to the very beginning again and ask my dad for some more of those wild stories from the hedonistic days in North Seton Colliery as a little lad. So get yourself comfortable, pour that cup of tea, put the headphones in, Drowned everything else out, and let's go and have a chat with me dad. When we say, um, let's say when and where, so the where is going to be... So it was North Seaton Colliery, Okay. So we're returning back to North Seaton Colliery for this episode, I guess. And the when... Uh, this is probably in the 60s, well it is in the 60s, so you know I was born in 55 as I've told listeners before, but this, these sort of things were in the, the 60s. Go on then, what's number one on the list? Well, because it was a mining village, you know, there was lots and lots of things re- revolved around the mine or the Miners Institute at North Seton, which was a fantastic place for the whole community really. But it's one of two things that we used to to get, kind of do there. Um, upstairs on the top floor in the in the welfare, the Miners Institute, were four snooker tables. And very, origina- ve- very originally were, were numbered one, two, three, and four. Just in case you got confused. Yeah. And because one comes first... Really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you could only play on table number one 
if the man who looked after the welfare, which was Jim Whelans, Mr Whelans, lovely man, thought you were good enough or you'd served your time and you'd, you'd worked your way from table four up to table three <laughs> to table two and then you were allowed on table one. But that, that was after several years of proving to him that you could play snooker without ripping a cloth <laughs> with a cue. So yeah, we used to we used to play snooker, and then in the summer, spent a fair bit of time. If we weren't outdoors playing, we certainly would be spending time at the welfare at North Seaton, playing snooker upstairs. And um, you know, I can also still remember we used to get told off for this, but you used to walk up the old-fashioned um, stone steps <coughs> up to the top floor. So there was um, we used to go start with about nine or ten steps turn right, 9 or 10 steps, turn right again, 9 or 10 steps, turn right again, and you're on the top. But those steps had a, a wooden rail all the way down that used to wind their way, way down from the top. And bear in mind, you're kind of two stories up there by the time you got to that. Sometimes would uh, would have a good actually sliding down from the top to the bottom, but you had to cling onto the rail because the last thing you wanted was to topple off when you were a fair way up. And we used to get told off if Mr. Whelan's court were, it would ban you for a week. Oh, banned. It did. Used to get banned for a week for being caught sliding down the banisters at, at the uh, welfare. But it was great fun if you didn't get caught. So the way we used to do it was somebody would position themselves at the, the top double swing doors at the, at the top of the stairs. And you went through about another 10 yards before you went into the snooker hall. Somebody would position there almost as a lookout. A lookout. So the, if the new Mr. Whelans or one of the adults was coming out, it was like, oh, quick, get off, get off, get off. You know, so it kind of have to get off the side and onto the steps. So being the, um, the welfare at North Seaton, it had uh, tennis courts. It had used to go down a set of stone steps as well from the the main entrance outside the welfare down to the bowling greens. And when it came to the miners' holidays, there was always bowls competitions on during the holidays for those people who weren't going away. And it was mainly for, for the adults, really, the miners. And I remember going down there in school holidays with my dad, my mum, and uncles, aunties, and, and there used to be competitions on all day long, so there's various rounds, knockout rounds, leagues, etc. And it, it was great fun, but as you got a little bit older, they encouraged youngsters to try bowls, which is a really good game to play, actually. Um, well, yes, you've made will play it on many a holiday if there was bowls. Absolutely. Bowl well, you say you learn skill with <laughs> bowls. You learn where the bias is in uh, in life, <laughs> to, say, to coin a phrase. But uh, now, so we used to play on the bowling green. Um, the other thing was uh, sometimes on the tennis courts, as, as we got a little bit older, that some of the tennis court netting used to get um, the, around the side of the tennis courts got a little bit raggy and a bit rusty. And I remember we were playing Chasey one night in amongst the, the welfare grounds and the tennis courts, and it was just starting to get a bit dusk. And um, I was chasing somebody, and they ducked, and I didn't duck in time. And there was one of the wires that was like from one side of the one end of the, uh, the the tennis courts to the other and and I actually hit it right across my face across my eye and uh, ended up going to hospital because a piece of the rusty metal had got in and that's why Jesus. I've got a scar in in that corner of my eye but I ended up having to go to hospital but, but the the most notable thing was I was running that hard and I never saw the wire 
and I basically hit it with my head, but my body kept on going, so I kind of ended up, my, my legs and my backside and everything came forward and upwards, and my, my head was almost like spinning around it, you know, on the wire until I flopped down on the floor, so it was being like, it's like being hit in a rugby pitch, you know, with a, with a big challenge, but... Uh, Bet so, Grandma was really pleased when you came home. Right? She was. So, what have you been doing, Chasey? Yeah, yeah, of course I've been playing Chasey. You know, anyway, that was that was great. Around the welfare grounds were really good, good fun. And if you walk down to that area now, you can kind of still pick out where some of these stone steps and the the grounds and that were, although they're no no longer in good condition. But they were great to, to play around, and, and it was a fantastic place because they always had big well-kept bushes so you could hide in the bushes when you're playing hide and seek and <laughs> chasey and all that so I, you know they used to play hide and seek hide and seek was a great game because can you imagine the old colliery you had from one end to the other you had down to the shore you had up to the schools you had a massive area you could like oh, wow. run so and there hide wasn't really a boundary for that so, <laughs> well what we used to say was you couldn't go beyond a certain place and right. then and then once we played that game, maybe it was one night, the next night we'd move on to a different part of the colliery or down towards the shore. It just meant you'd, you weren't trying to like cover you know, half a mile or whatever at night to, to hide in, you know? <laughs> um, that's great. But uh, the other one was that, you know, we had the mine there. And, uh, and I remember when I, when I was a little kid, when it came to the miners' holidays, they used to bring the pit ponies up from the pit for their holidays as well. <laughs> so on the day that the pit ponies were brought up from underground, uh, a lot of people from the village, the colliery village, were invited to come and basically form a cordon and watch the pit ponies being brought up through the cages and outside. But of course they had to blink at them because they'd been used to being in, in dark conditions or dust, very dark conditions, very you know, very little light. And of course when they first saw light, they had to gradually expose them to the light otherwise they'd go absolutely crazy but they used to then walk them out through and put them in a field just behind where the junior school was on the over what we call the line over the the um the path that goes along there where's that still you know where you know where you walk down from the churchyard walk down to old north seaton colliery left from the old churchyard there's a kind of um pavement that walks all the way brings you all the way down and brings you in where the, the old school was at North Seaton now right. well well, to the left of that where you've got houses built now they used yeah. to be just open fields right. right in fact there used to be a railway line from the pit and then open fields beyond that okay. well they used to put the pit ponies in the, the field there for to have their, their summer holiday basically <laughs> so one of the things that me and my mates used to do was um We'd give the ponies a few days to acclimatise to sunshine and freedom and being able to run around, etc. But these pit ponies were so, so used to having handlers and people next to them, they were yeah. fairly docile, you know, once it kind of custom to the light. So what we would do is we'd um, go along and actually, like, take a bit of, a few carrots and a bit of food for them and whatever. But the whole purpose of it was so we could basically grab their mane and jump on their back and get a, get a bit of a, a bareback ride on a ponies for as long as you could actually stay on the pony, basically. Because I mean, I no suppose, wonder people talk about North Seaton Colliery as being the Wild West back then, man. <laughs> I suppose so, but you know, like you, you would get thrown off the pony, and but they weren't very, they weren't very tall. I guess we weren't very tall then either. No. But it was great fun. But the but the ponies were so used to people that they were fairly docile, and you couldn't get a ride on the back for a while anyway. Um, before they got sick of it and realised I'm on my holidays here, get off, 
you know. So that was it. That was the other thing. Um, I, I, I suppose it, a couple of other things to to just maybe just mention to you. Um, Sunday school was also a, a big part of my early years. You know, we lived one chapel row. We lived next to the the chapel, next to the chapel hall. Uh, parents involved in going to chapel. My grandparents were all mm. chapel. You know, my great grand, my grandfather was a lay preacher, etc., etc. So I was well used to going to Sunday school. But one thing I I, I always remember was if you went to Sunday school. Your attendance was monitored, so you, you know, not, not quite the same as school, but they would they would mark you down in a register as having attended on a Sunday, and if you attained a certain number of weeks of attending Sunday school, when it came to the annual uh, awards, you were always handed out um, books. Oh so, yes, it was it, honestly it was really good for young kids, and you know the people who chose those books. Uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Dunn and, and other people from associated with the church, always, I thought they always considered, what, you know, whether it's boys or girls, and considered really well what they were doing. They had listened in Sunday school stuff about what you were doing with school, what your interests were. And I've still got books up now yeah. in the loft that I've kept, which have the sticker in the front presented by on the, you know, the year you got them. For how many weeks? Can you remember attended. which some of the books are? Yeah, I've got the Red Planet, H.G. Wells, the Red Planet. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So I, I've got a few upstairs, and they're, they're still there. But you used to get that for attendance or annual recitals. So you had to learn learn your piece. Can you remember doing that, Julie? Oh yes, yeah, I've so, got a couple of books I've got. <laughs> so they would choose it. It wasn't the boy stood on the burning. Desk. No, it wasn't that one. No, it had to be something that was a bit more substantial. But it was either a, a poem or um, it could be a piece out of the Bible sometimes or it could be a bit from a Bible story. But usually it was a it was bit a of a reading. poem, a reading. But you had to learn it. But you had to learn it off by heart and you had to recite then it recite it. But it, at uh, North Seton Chapel, you basically had to go up into the little pulpit. Mm-hmm. So ah, you were standing, okay. looking out on everybody. Uh, well, when you say everybody, the other Sunday well, school kids, or well, that's Sunday school kids, but there was also adults there. Parents oh, okay. would go along to the when it was recitals, wow. yeah. And um, and it was really good because uh, I remember like the, either one of the Sunday school teachers would normally be at the front, and and they would have your piece in in front of them, so they knew what you were going to say. And could prompt. I was going to say if, if anybody just like no. suddenly lost a word, or t- would prompt them. But the whole idea was you tried to learn it and, and see it. To give you confidence. It was. Yeah. And, to help you grow. And it really was. And, and, you know, you used to get books books for that as well. Um, but that was really nice to get a book. Mm. You know, there was, you didn't get money. You got, a, you got a book. So it was useful. You know, it really was. For, for listeners, my mum's just taking the mickey out of my dad there. Yeah. I know. <laughs> did I tell you I got a book? Got a yeah. Did I tell you yeah. that you got books? Yes, you got books. Yeah. Did I tell you? <laughs> okay. But the other one, uh, uh, that big event at the chapel used to be the Harvest Festival. Hmm. So uh, everybody from the village who grew things, and uh, as as you know, in pit villages, people had gardens, allotments, and everything. Thing. No teens in those days. No, no, I used to get, it was like fresh vegetables and mm-hmm. fruit and all sorts. But what they used to do then, on the Monday, so after the Harvest Festival weekend, on the Monday night... The whole would, village would come up. It was a, there was a sale. So oh, okay. it was like a little auction sale. 
to sell off some of the fruit and veg and the idea was it then got some funds back into the chapel but it was a great night because for instance we used to love as kids to be able to um, bid for a baggie what's a baggie? a turnip <laughs> a swede, basically, as some people would call it, but the king of swede. Yeah, well, pea pods, yeah, and the other one was um, jelly cubes. You know that you make yeah. jelly with. Yeah. We used to love buying a jelly. So you'd sit in the back of the the, the chapel after oh, the after you'd bought your turnip, and you'd mm. you'd have your pen knife in your pocket, cutting up the bits of turnip and eating the raw turnip. A snaggy, a, you know, a snaggy or a baggy, and. Um, and the jelly cubes, which were great, was to put them in my mouth and just let them dissolve. <laughs> so can you imagine? You'd, you'd, you're turnips full of, and jelly You're cubes. full of turnip and jelly cubes. No wonder one or two were sick. I was going to say that. <laughs> my goodness me. They all had what they called the bag. The yeah. bag, yeah. yeah everybody had a, the you had a small, yeah, swollen stomach, stomach as you yeah. come out. But it was great fun, you know. Cause, but, all did it. But oh all the produce used to be sold and... So you, never left. No, it was great, and used to it was great for for um, getting extra funds for the for yeah. the chapel or the Sunday school or whatever. So yeah, I'll tell you one last story about um, Sunday school and, and the chapel. Um, a friend of mine now who at the time was a guy called Alan Bell, and I'm still a good friend with Alan. Lives in Richmond with his wife Sheila, and Alan and I played football together on all seating football team. So. Uh, this is way back in the this early is way, 70s. This is way back. So the first time Alan invited me to be uh, on the football team was actually the evening of my 21st birthday. So I played football before I had my birthday party. But when Alan and Sheila got married, they got married at the, the chapel at North Seton. And my friend Robert Jameson and I were asked to be the organ pumpers. <laughs> I know, yeah, you see, you're laughing there. But if you think about a lot of old ch- chapels, they had the pipe organs and yeah. re- relied on bellows in the yeah. back for a play. Yeah. So you you had on the side, you had a little, basically a, a marker with usually a you bit of lead. You had above there to and the air. You had to pump the handle on the side to fill the bellows with air and then the pipe organ would play. And as the air was going out, Basically, the the little marker would come down, and you had it marked on the side. When it got to a certain level, you had to pump, pump it back up again. again. So we we Robert and I were the the, the organ pumpers for Alan and Sheila <laughs> Dale's wedding, and uh, when when the ceremony was over and they were filing out the church, to, uh, try, filing out the chapel, I would never imagine who would no. be able so, to so do they, that. They're filing out the chapel, and uh, Robert and I um, were basically more. More we interested. Got in, we got distracted. We were more interested in all the people walking out the the chapel, and um, Mrs. Dunn was actually playing the organ, and and then all of a sudden it went, <laughs> and we realised as soon as we glanced to the side, we knew one of us. So we both grabbed the the arm that you had to pump up and down, and very quickly pumped it back up and down. You see, so I like that he's doing the gestures. Yeah, listeners can't see that. <laughs> I can. <laughs> so I I have I did actually. Um, apologise apologised years, later, years later to Alan and Sheila although at the time Alan says well we really never noticed no, that the music no. had gone a little bit quick uh, <laughs> because they were just about out the door by then um, but anyway we realised and we'd, we'd forgotten we to got a look off Mrs. yeah we did get a look off Mrs. Dunn which was a while a wither, withering look bless her 
But, you know, we were letting down her playing by, by not putting enough air in By there. letting the air down. We did. Yeah. We, we, let the, we let the side down. So, um, I'll finish with just two, two little stories. Um, little bits about uh, me and, and, our, and our family. Um, I, I was a little devil for climbing. I wonder where James gets it from. I was a little devil for claiming. And um, my brother Harry and I lived... Uh, we, we slept in a small bedroom that was in basically close to the attic of the house. And uh, the the room was right into the roof of the house and you had a small skylight window. Oh, yes. Not big ones like you see now, like the big dormer ones now. You're talking only about... Yeah, a little narrow thing. Yeah, very, very narrow. Um, but to let air in, you could push the handle and push it up and whatever. And on more than one occasion, I would actually put a chair in the middle of the room underneath the skylight, build the chair up with books. Dear me. And the books I- you got from the Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but, but I guess other ones as well. And, um, and I would climb up and, and pull myself out through the skylight. Oh, dear me. Onto the roof. And then from the skylight, you had about three foot of, of roof to the, the ridge tiles, basically along the roof. Okay. And I would pull myself up through the, the skylight and climb up onto the ridge tiles and sit on the ridge tiles of the house. And I used to do that sometimes late at night, and I used to watch the drunks coming back from the welfare, and from the <laughs> pub at the welfare, watching them wandering down the street and whatever, you know, having a good laugh. But um, I, I was... Um, Dobbed in it a couple of times by people who knew me, mum and dad, who saw us sitting on the roof, and came and knocking on the door and said, you know, Albert, Neil, do you know your young'un's sitting on the roof? And of course, then I would hear, I would hear, you know, up and down the stairs. There's my dad running up the stairs, and I'm trying to get down off the roof at the time <laughs> for to get back through the skylight, not quite making it. So my dad's head would, because he couldn't get through the skylight. He would get up and he would pop his head up and say, you'll get yourself down here now. And I had to slide back down the roof and get back in the skylight. It didn't discourage us because no. I, I did it more than once. I can believe that. Yeah, so I, I did it more than once. Uh, I think I think the other one, I'll, I'll tell you one little story about, you know, you, my friend and I, Robert, used to have a, this great little game going. We used to, used to go and hide in the bushes um, between Sawmill Row and and uh, one of the other streets along there, and it was under a streetlight. And we used to wait. And what we did was we put the very fine, what we called catgut, which was clear, oh, yeah. clear fishing line, onto a wallet, and we'd put the wallet <laughs> on the street under the streetlight on the path, and we'd be hiding in the bushes. And we'd wait, be waiting for some of the people walking along from the pub who maybe had one or two sherbets. <laughs> and, and then as they bent down to try and pick it up, we'd just tug it <laughs> very quickly away from them. And when we did that, um, sometimes you'd get a, a good reaction and you'd get a good laugh from the people. And other times you'd get a, a rather kind of... Uh, disappointed and angry reaction with a few <laughs> swear words thrown in, which I'll not repeat on your podcast. No, please don't. But I always remember one night we did that, and we were sitting in the bushes, and and this guy came along, and he'd obviously seen we'd do it before. We'd probably caught him before, and as he walked along, he tried to be very nonchalant, and he stood on the wallet before <laughs> we could have a chance to tug it. 
and he ripped the wallet off the fishing line to have a look and see if there was anything in. And then he he said, I know you, you lads are in the bushes somewhere here. <laughs> he said, so I've got your wallet. If you want your wallet, you're going to have to come out. Well, of course, we didn't want to come out because we knew he was going to say something to her. And we wouldn't come out, so he, he basically just threw the wallet into the bushes somewhere for us to find. And we did find it. But that used to be a really good, funny game to play with people. I mean, not not if you were the drunk who couldn't quite pick it up and it, but no. we were tugging it away, you know. But that used to be a good laugh because you could get a good giggle sitting in the bushes. But anyway, so just little ruses again from things we used to get up to there. Well, thank you very, very much. You're welcome. North Seaton in the 60s sounds like it was a cracking place to grow up, doesn't it? I mean, I'm sure there's some looking back through rose-tinted glasses, I'm sure there is, but uh, I'm pretty certain boys and girls had some fun growing up in them streets. Uh, I mean, anybody listening ever have a go at things like the old fishing line on a wallet? Anybody listening ever slide down the banisters at the welfare? Or do you remember playing pool at the welfare? Oh, yes. Did anybody get up to table one? I want to know if you got onto table one in the welfare. <laughs> well, thank you as always for listening. I hope it's put smiles on people's faces. I hope it's brought back some lovely memories and I hope you've enjoyed listening. That is the last episode of series two. We've done, um, well, we do 10 episodes a season. That's my idea. So series one, we did 10 episodes series 2 this is 2.10 so we're just going to wrap it up here but I have a few special episodes that don't quite fit within a season they're planned and they'll be out soon and then I've got a map for series 3 so we will be back somewhere in the middle of the summer holidays with a new series ready for September starts because I've got a couple of school memory episodes that I want to put out just in September so stay tuned for those anyway Stay safe and well. Enjoy the glorious sunshine. Um, And yeah, love to everybody. You can get in touch with the show via email by sending an email to podcastnortheast at gmail.com. That's podcastnortheast at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave me a voice message, you can leave me a voice message for the show about any of the episodes we've covered. You can get in touch and tell me you've just finished listening to an episode and it's brought back certain memories. Or you could just leave me a message to tell me you've listened to the show and you're enjoying it. You can do that by going on the internet, if you use your phone it's probably easiest, to a website which is anchor.fm forward slash voices from the northeast. And you'll see a little button for messages. Now, once again, that is anchor.fm forward slash voices from the northeast. You could also get in touch via Facebook. You can see any of our posts. Indeed, you probably clicked through from a post to listen to this episode. So please go back to that post. It's possibly and most probably in the Ashington Remembered Facebook page. So go back and tell me there what you think of the episode. Tell me what memories it's brought up or click through the link on there to leave us a message. Anyway, thank you again for listening. The big 
bit of news this week is that we've now gone over 800 listens to the show, which is wonderful given that we've been going just a few months sharing all these lovely memories and keeping the social history alive. I really, really appreciate every single person who listens to the show. I will ask, please keep sharing it with friends. I had a couple of messages from people this week telling me they'd spoken to somebody on the golf course and they've shared the show with them or told them to check it out and they've forwarded it via email to another friend etc etc so please if you're doing that you're doing a wonderful job helping us spread all these lovely stories please keep doing that that would be so helpful <laughs>